So go to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going into 2018, which is crazy. I want to look at verses 1 down to verse 14 with you. I hope you got your hand out if you want to write down some notes, some thoughts, as we make it through these 14 verses together. Title this, Spiritual Progress in 2018. Spiritual Progress in 2018. Again, we're asking the Lord for just supernatural help right now as we look at these verses. We need the Spirit of God to understand Scripture and to really grasp what God has for us in the Word of God. And so Paul wrote this letter uh, to the Philippian believers, and these are believers that were uh, really not in any form or fashion, seemingly like they were struggling with much. It's an epistle with the theme of joy. And so we're going to look at some of that. Uh, tonight. So Holy Spirit, help us to understand this text. Spiritual progress in 2018. I'll begin with a definition, a definition of progress. Forward movement toward a destination. Forward movement toward a destination, or may, maybe making headway, or literally to go, go somewhere, with a destination in mind. Every day when your feet hit the ground, you have a, a destination in mind. And so you get up in the morning, I get up in the morning, and, and we, we, our feet hit the floor, we start moving, we're heading probably to the, to the bathroom, right? That's one of the first stops we go. We'll brush our teeth, you know, take care of business, get ourselves ready, get the kiddos up, and you're going to get them breakfast and get them going to school. They have a destination. We're looking every single day of our life for progress. That's the definition. And so I want you to keep that in mind. Forward movement toward a destination. Every year at this time, we obviously are reflecting, we're reminiscing. I'm a reminiscer typically by temperament and by nature. Uh, either we're reminiscing about the past, we're reflecting on the past, or we're regretting the past at this time. And so if you go to any magazine rack at the grocery store, you'll see typically cover, cover, uh, uh, covers of these magazines with a, a year in review, or typically you'll see something about celebrities who have died in the previous year. Has anybody ever seen those? And you're, and you're kind of wondering, oh no, you know, so-and-so died and this celebrity you might have watched on a movie or on TV. And so it's very common to look back, to reflect, to reminisce, and even to regret. When you think of big things that happened in 2017, what were some of those things that, that come to your mind? 2017. Big, big, big things, like nationwide, worldwide. What would they be? What was that? Irma. Big deal. That was a big deal. My mom was impacted by Irma in Florida. Anything else? Thinking about 2017. Something really big. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump, President Trump, right? And the other ones? See, we're reflecting, we're reminiscing. But I want to go on a more personal level than just on a, a more nationwide level. And so on a personal level, we want the coming year to be better. We want progress. A relationship that you might be in or might know that is rocky, you want reconciliation. Uh, maybe it's a financial issue that you hope and pray will turn around because it's been really, really difficult. How about Harvest Reading? We want to move forward. We want to, to have a destination in mind as a church. Any church that is healthy has that, that progress mentality. Let's make progress. How about spiritually? Let's get a little personal here. How about uh, this past year? Would you say that you made progress in your spiritual life? Uh, you're, you're thinking, man, I think so. I hope so. Uh, we want to go into 2018 understanding what it is to make spiritual progress. And so I want you to do just a, a quick reminisce, reflection, hopefully not regret in, the, in this moment, uh, your relationship with Jesus. 
in 2017? What was it like? Was it, God, you are humbling me. God, I, am, I know that I'm becoming more holy than I was. I know that my character is being transformed. God, I know that my mouth is different than it was maybe in 2016. I'm saying things a lot better, a lot more kind, all of that. Think about in 2017. How are you doing spiritually? Did you make progress? And now here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to just briefly and quietly before the Lord say, Lord, I want spiritual progress. I want a destination in 2018 that is truly, truly much more with you than I had in 2017. Would you just, if that's your desire, just quietly, just quietly to yourself and to the Lord, God, I want spiritual progress in 2018. I want it. I want it. So what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, he's talking to the believers there, obviously. He said, I will remain with you and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. 2 Timothy 4.15, he said to them, as they're living the Christian life, as the leaders are leading as they should, so that all may see your progress. It's important. It's important. Listen, it's important that your mom who doesn't know Jesus, your dad who might not know Jesus, it's important for your siblings as they're watching you, your, your children watching you, that they see Jesus, that, that there's progress, that there's movement, that you're going towards the kingdom, you're going towards the king, that you're living for him, that you're, you're totally and completely giving yourself over to Christ. They need to see your progress. I promise you that, that you would have an issue with your pastor, which would be me if you call Harvest Reading your church. You would have a problem if you didn't see progress in my life. You'd be like, wow, Chris, Chris really isn't growing too much each and every year, and there needs to be progress in my life as well as in your life spiritually. I want to look at the text with you. So if you would take your eyes to chapter 3, verse 1, there are three, three ways that we can apply the apostles' uh, truths here, three ways to really make spiritual progress in 2018. So real spiritual progress in 2018 comes when, number one, we stop being religious and start being in relationship. That's number one. When we stop being religious and start being in relationship. Notice verse 1. Paul starts off with the word finally. He's going to transition. It's a major word. It's going from more of a doctrinal perspective, chapter 1 and 2, and this is what he does in all his letters. And then he transitions into more application and practical truths about the doctrines that he has already given to the people that he's writing to. And so he starts chapter 3 with this word, finally. He's going to bring it to a close. And he's going to give out some information that's more on a practical level. He wants the truths in our minds to transform our behavior. He wants that for them. It's meant for us as well today. He's going to tie in some things that he has been talking about. And so he says, finally, and he wants them to kind of lean in towards him as they're reading and as they're hearing him preach. Lean in, because i got something to say that's going to be important as I finish this letter. All truth, as I said, needs to transform. It needs to go from our head where? Does it need to stay in our head? It goes from our head to our, our heart. This is what's happening in Christianity, evangelicalism. It's, it's a lot of head, but not a lot of heart. There's a lot of knowledge going inside of our brain, and, and then it's not going down into our heart, transforming our character. And so Paul is, is knowing this, obviously, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, and he wants, he wants the information that he's been giving them in chapter 1 and 2 to go from their brain into their behavior. It's the pattern of his writings. 
You notice that he mentions brothers, finally brothers. There's this affection here that he has for them. There's this relationship that he's emphasizing to these believers in Philippi. But he goes further than that. It's not just the relationship that he has with the brothers and sisters in Christ. He's going to take them somewhere. So look at the verse. Finally, my brothers. What does he say? Rejoice in the Lord. There's the theme of Philippians. It's joy in the Lord. And honestly, we're not going to have joy in 2018 if Jesus isn't a part of our life. And so if we're living separate from him or we're doing things that really don't include the Spirit of God or the move of God in our life, then we're not going to find the rejoicing or the joy in the Lord. So Paul mentions this, rejoice in the Lord. Now let's look at the text together. I'm going to keep going down to verse 6. He says, the, uh, to write the same things to you is not, no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. He says, look out for dogs, for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason to comp- uh, put confidence in the flesh also, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, now this is Paul really laying out uh, the difference between religion or, you know, this religiousness versus relationship. And so he lays out his resume. It's a spiritual resume, and it's a massive one. You know, we have a resume ourselves. Let me go through a list. Here's yours and my resume. Are you ready? You're not going to see this on the little handout or the PowerPoint. I'm just going to give them to you quickly. Letter A is sitting. We attend church. Did you know that average evangelical or professing Christian will attend church only two times a month now? Just two times a month. And so uh, look at your own life. I mean, maybe you're hitting it every week. That's very unusual. Because most Christians now, it's only two times a month. Uh, back in the older days, if you're over 50, 60, 70 years old, uh, people would go to church every single Sunday. They would never miss. But today, it's a lot different. And so sitting would be part of our resume. Maybe serving. Maybe you serve somewhere. Maybe you've been in the nursery, Sunday school. Maybe you've done some sort of outreach. Whatever it may be, you're serving. So you got sitting. This is a resume. Sitting, serving. How about sacrificing? That's giving. Maybe you give something. Maybe uh, a certain percentage. Maybe it's a tithe. Uh, I'm not sure what it might be, but sacrificing would be part of the spiritual resume. Singing a song, which we just did. And then I put this one here just to kind of keep it going. Saying. Saying. Uh, saying that you're a Christian. Okay, we can have all five of those as our spiritual resume and still not be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we got people sitting in chairs, singing songs, giving in an offering, maybe doing Sunday school. Maybe they're saying they're a Christian but this relationship with Jesus is, is really almost non-existent. And that's where Paul's going with this. He's saying, I got the resume of all resumes. I was the one that was keeping all of these religious rules and regulations. But he's wanting them to know that righteousness isn't coming from the law. It's not coming from, it's not coming from keeping the commandments. It's not coming from... Uh, this, this self-imposed performance, if I can just do what the pastor or the church is saying that I should do, and then you try real hard and you find yourself failing, and you're not really living to the glory of God, you're living to the, the dominion of man. And that's where Paul had found himself. He's a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's stuck in this religious system. Here at Harvest, we call it the three W's. We, we worship Christ, we walk with Christ, and we work for Christ. Look at verse 2 again. He says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the dogs. I remember delivering for FedEx, 
and I was taking a package to the doorstep, and when I was just about to the door, this Great Dane comes out of their barn and starts charging me. A Great Dane is a big dog, I mean huge. And so as I had my packages and I'm kind of leaning in towards the owner, the Great Dane came flying up behind me and stops. And, and I was completely calm. It was the weirdest thing. And the owner said, just gently lay the package on the steps. <laughs> and so I laid it down and I just got back in my truck and, and the driver that I was with said, did you see that? I said, yeah. I said, I wasn't afraid, though, for some reason. It's not the dogs he's talking about. Dogs he's talking about are Judaizers. These are, these are legalists. This is what we would call legalism. This is the professing Christian, quote-unquote, if you even want to call it that. In that day, they were called Judaizers. They were trying to keep rules and regulations. They were trying to meet expectations and trying their best to perform. And this is where a lot of us get trapped. And so for me, it was, I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a lot of this, although Catholicism is a lot of that, and I was Catholic. And so, but when I came into the Christian church, and into evangelicalism and being born again, then I still had this whole problem with grace. And I'm trying real hard to be a good Christian, and I'm trying real hard to just do the right thing. And, and then God started showing me, wait a minute, Chris, you're, you're kind of stuck. Right where, where Paul's at here, thinking that if I have this resume, and the resume is just all real super tight, then it's good. I started to realize I really wasn't uh, connecting with him as I should. I was really to be the good Christian. And Paul is saying, you've got to be careful of that. You've got to be careful of this world of the Judaizers. And they're not called Judaizers today, but they might be called uh, other groups. And, and I don't want to get into all of that. Just one word would be legalism. Legalism. And it's a trap. Doesn't lead to this relationship that he's talking about. It's a performance-based Christianity, and now you're you're starting to realize that um, maybe you know what that might have been me, and maybe your experience here at Harvest has been freeing for you, and we hope that it has. Maybe it's it's been like you know what, wow, wow, I'm sensing that that this relationship that I have with God is more personal than it's ever been. Maybe you're you're starting to realize what 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 happened and. And, and the guilt that I've carried and, and the fear of judgment and that God is like, he's mad at me. You know, and you feel like you're just trying your best to make him happy. And Paul's saying, it, spiritual progress doesn't happen like that. Spiritual progress comes when you and Jesus are tight and you're walking and you're loving him and, and wanting to, to glorify him. And it's just so different here at Harvest, again, we call it vertical Christianity, not horizontal. It's a God-centered Christianity. And that's how we make progress. Here's another one. Number two, spiritual progress happens in 2018 when we stop living our life and start living his life through us. How tired Paul must have been trying to live life his own way. He thought it was God's way, but he realized he had been all wrong. And so this is the place that all of us need to come to. It's a realization that I can't pull this thing off. It's a humble acknowledgement that, you know what, Jesus, I, if it's not for you, if it, I can't do anything, I can't be anything, I can't go anywhere if it's not for you. That's how desperate we need to be for Christ. That's where Paul's trying to help the Philippians to really understand rejoicing in the Lord and having joy. And some of us are struggling with joy Probably because you're trying to live your own life. And you're not living God's life through you. That's a big difference there. 
There's this, I can't do it anymore. I remember that not too long ago. I remember that even in my present walk with the Lord. It's like, God, I don't know if I can do this thing called Christianity anymore. It was just a, just a short while ago I was saying things like that. I don't know if I could do this Christianity thing anymore. I was trying so hard. And I wasn't understanding grace. And I wasn't understanding unconditional love like I needed to. And I was stuck in this performance thing. Look at verse 7 and 8 and 9. You'll see it here. Verse 7 down to verse 9. Paul said, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You can stop there. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. Let me cross-reference this because we need to know what is the life of God and how does it manifest. Galatians 5 talks about it. So take, go to your left, just a, a book. Galatians 5. I want to look at verses 16 down to verse 25. What's the manifestation of the life of God, of God's life flowing through us? What does this look like? Galatians chapter 5, 16. <clears throat> Paul said, this is Paul again writing to the believers in Galatia. And they were stuck in legalism. And that, that's part of the letter. It's the theme of the letter is, is works righteousness versus righteousness by Jesus Christ alone. That's the theme of Galatians. And so he was battling Judaizers here in Galatia. And he goes on and say, verse, says, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Now watch this. Take your eyes right to the text. Follow as I read. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. And to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of these nature. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. Here's the manifest working of God's life in and through us. Watch, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's the, 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 the life of God. It's not my life anymore. It's Jesus' life flowing through me to other people. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, so we're led by the Spirit, we're living by the Spirit, we're filled with the Spirit, we're controlled with the Spirit. This is it. We're keeping in step. Look at it. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's how you have the life of God flow through you. And the times in my life where, where the life of God, where it's my life and it's not Christ's life and it's not his life flowing through me, is when I quench the Spirit. And when I grieve the Spirit of God, and when I have a lustful thought or a prideful thought, or I say something to my wife, it's totally ridiculous and mean, and I've quenched the Spirit. And, and when that happens, then the life of God, the fruit of the Spirit. And so the only way back out of that situation, you know, repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I want, I want to be filled with the Spirit flow through me again. 
What's happening more and more in this church to a growing degree is phenomenal to me and my wife. And we've been in ministry going on thirst. So it's been a long time. And so what we're seeing God do as this, this, these lives of these people, they're, they're saying things like this. This is what they're saying. They might not know that they're saying that, but they're saying things like this. I'm going to lay my life aside, my comfort, uh, my time. I'm going to lay it over here so that I could give it to another person over here. And so what's happening is there are people in our church, Harvest Bible Chapel Reading, who are going through some really difficult things, really hard things. And when you get involved in people's lives, all of our lives can be messy. And what I'm finding out is that God is doing something so phenomenal. Now hold on to this because this is unusual. 30 years of ministry, I have not seen it to this degree as I've seen it in Harvest Reading, where people will say, you know what, this is... My life, I'm just going to lay it aside over here so that I can come over here next to this person, speak into the life, lay hands on them, love with them, cry with them, pray with them. You're saying that's what Christian churches should be doing. But they're not. Not on large measure. They're not doing that. And so when I see a little glimpse of this starting to happen at Harvest Bible Chapel already, I'm like, whoa. This is telling me that God is doing something very special and very unique, very unusual. So we have, it started with just a few ladies meeting upstairs in this church, and they're praying. And some of the guys show up, and, and they pray together. And This isn't something I initiated. This is something that they initiated, which makes it that much more profound. And so this group is praying on Tuesday nights, and you're welcome to go uh, pray with them. Uh, and, and, and they're praying for this church, and they're praying for people, and we're starting to see real, real genuine love and community being expressed towards one another. Now, if that can happen on a small scale, can you imagine if it grows and expands and it starts to move throughout the church, the whole church, and, and the new people that come and the people that haven't come, but they're going to come. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's the life of God flowing through us. And it's, it's really amazing to see. Amazing to see. I'm so fired up about that. In fact, Lisa and I talk about it often. We're like, uh, this, is, this is really, really uh, special. It really is. Paul's life was so God-drenched it couldn't help but s spill off onto others. And this is really what I'm going to encourage you to do. Then we'll go to point number three, is that there are some of you, and you want your family, you want your desperate your family to see Jesus in you. And, and, I, and I remember when I first got born again, I was like, God, I just want my family to see Jesus in me. Because they were all non-Christians, and they weren't living for the Lord or anything, and so I was the only one. And and I remember praying prayers like that. God, I just, want, I just want your life to be seen in me. And they were making fun of me and all that kind of stuff uh, in my family. And, and so I just said, okay, God, I'm just going to be faithful, be committed to you, and just see what happens. And so one by one, my family started confessing the Lord and getting born again. And so uh, I know that you might have family members. You want them to see Jesus in you. You want them to come to the Lord. You want your coworkers to be saved. You want your, maybe your children to come back to the Lord because they've drifted a long ways away. I don't know what it is. Uh, the first place to start is with us, with ourselves. At the end of our service tonight, we have one song. It's called Resurrecting uh, by Elevation. It's just a phenomenal song about God resurrecting uh, this, these places in our life and, and, and new growth. And, and I'm going to encourage you uh, to pray during that song and to worship with that song and asking God for just a fresh infusion of his life into you by his spirit so that people you know, your family members, will see Jesus in you and with you.
what's going on with you? You've got to tell me what is happening because you say things different. Your countenance is different. Your behavior is different. Your passion, your joy is all different. I've got to know what that is. You're going to see more of that in 2018. It's going to grow. Number three, we're talking about spiritual progress. Number three, when we stop thinking small and start thinking spectacular. This is verses 10 down to verse 14. When we stop thinking small and start thinking spectacular. Let's look at the verses together back in Philippians 3. I'll read down to the end of these verses. Verse 10 down to verse 14. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I might attain a attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained, obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it, known, make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What's he talking about? I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this also to you. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the call of God. He's talking about the eternal. He's talking about Jesus and me one day, face-to-face, communing forever. That is firing him up. That is driving him forward to face all kinds of stuff that's going on in his life. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Paul is not thinking. He's just not thinking small. He's not thinking in the moment. He's thinking way beyond. He's thinking way into the eternal. And if you've been going through some stuff in your life, this way of thinking is going to preserve you. If all you're thinking is about what's happening right here in your own little world, it's going to consume you. But if you can get spectacular thinking like Paul, where you're thinking beyond, you're thinking into the heavenlies, you're thinking about Jesus glorified. You're thinking about one day you and him literally in his presence, like Paul's doing here, the upward call of God. He goes, I'm I'm not looking back anymore. I am pressing on. I am pressing on. I don't know how many times that in the difficult moments that I faced in my Christian life, I have tried to apply this. And I said, Lord, this is impossible for me to even face anymore. But Paul said, I'm pressing on, and I want to be able to press on And the only way I was able to do that is if I were to start thinking way bigger than what was happening to me in the moment. I had to think spectacular thoughts, like heavenly thoughts, you know, and glorifying thoughts, glorifying of God and and Jesus to be able to make it through all of that. Often we see, this is a proverbial saying, that we see the tree but not the forest. We want what is right here. We, We want what is within the walls here. Can I even say to you that, that um, we are so conditioned and, and some of, this is what happens. Now, I gotta, don't, don't lose me on this because I'm going to try to bring this in. This is important. It's important for us to think not small but spectacular because spectacular thinking is about people that don't know Jesus. It's about making disciples. It's about verticality. It's about the glory of God. It's about church planting churches. It's all of that. But what's happening in churches is that people are, st- are still thinking too small. Meaning, they come to church, it's these walls, it's my church, 
it's my section in the church room, right? Because I know that most of you are sitting in, in basically the same seats that you always sit in, or at least the same section. Some of you mix it up, which is cool. But typically, this is what happens. We don't like change, and so we, we just, and what we're doing is we're going into these little places, and this is where, this is all of our thinking, literally to the extreme, is right here. And God is saying, I don't want you to think about that. I don't want to think about your section where you sit. I don't even want you to think about the building. I want you to think about all of those other people out there that don't know the Lord. But to have a church think like that is super hard. It's super hard. Pastors are facing immense struggles. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. We live in a very consumer-oriented church, very, or culture, very consumer-oriented when you go to the grocery store, you are not thinking about anything other than what? Consuming. You're there for one purpose. You go to American Eagle, or if you go to Old Navy, or if you're going to the mall, or whatever store you're going to, what are you going for? You're not going for the other people. You're not going there to meet anybody or to get to know them. Or you're just going there to buy something. And so we're constantly consuming. And so then Christians come to churches, and we're still in that mindset. That's small thinking. That's not spectacular thinking. Spectacular thinking is, you know what? There's John at work. He's really going through a lot. It's not about me, my little chair in church now. It's about John, who maybe God will use me to touch John's life. You put the name face or whatever there. We're at the beginning of a new year. We're at the beginning of a new year. Remember, I was driving my car, and um, typically when you want to go in reverse, what do you do? You put the car in reverse, but you look where? Do you, do you look out the front windshield, or where do you look? In the rearview mirror, right? And so you'll look in the rearview mirror to be able to look behind you to see if it's safe. Or you, if you have a camera, like a camera on some of the cars, and you'll have the screen, and you kind of just look at that, and it's showing you behind you, what's behind you. I wasn't using all of that. And so I remember putting it in reverse, not really thinking, all of a sudden, crash, and I crashed into this cement barrier, and it just smashed the back of my car. And I called my wife, and I was like, I can't believe I just, this is what happened. I was so mad. Some of you are looking in rearview mirrors. You're using your rearview mirror, but you're looking in the past. And God is saying, no, we need to look to the future. And next Sunday, I need you to be here. And I need you to go get everybody else who calls Harvest Bible Chapel Reading there who, who didn't make it tonight. If they're sick, get a stretcher for them. Get an ambulance. Do whatever you have to do, because there's a lot of people that aren't here that are sick. Do whatever you have to do. Get them here. Because we're going to talk about that. It's, it's not about looking in the rearview mirror. It's not about what's in the past. And God has done things in 2017, like Don was saying. But we're looking at 2018 and launching this church. We're going to launch this church officially and formally, and, and we're going to do that in March. But next Sunday night, I'm going to go through some things that you need to know. So go out, get some people you might know, people you don't know, might be interested in a church, a new church plant, new church start, whatever you want to call it. But next Sunday night, we're going to talk about that. We're not going to be looking in the rearview mirror anymore. We've got to keep looking to the future. Spiritual progress. I told you about a song. 
we're going to sing called Resurrecting. Where are you at spiritually? Okay, are you ready to be vulnerable right now? Are you ready? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Maybe you've been spinning your wheel spiritually. You say, you know what, 2017 was a lot of spinning my wheel spiritually. Not a whole lot of progress in 2017. Anybody want to say, hey, yeah, I could, I could raise my hand on that. Anybody? Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks. It happens to all of us. Here's the prayer. This is a great song. I want you to sing it, but I want you to pray it. Okay? Where are those people that were saying, you know what? I need more progress. I, need, I want more progress. Raise your hand again. Let me see those people. Okay, look around. It's okay. Because during songs, I'm going to encourage you to pray over people. You know, not guy over, over another guy that's not your, or woman that's not your wife. That would not, that would not work. All right? But if you see another guy and he raised his hand, not doing well spiritually, just go up to him and say during the song, hey man, do you mind? I'll pray with you. Let's get over here in the corner and I'll pray over you. You know, or woman to woman, if you see somebody that's been struggling, you know somebody that's been struggling, during the song, just, hey, let's go pray together. Come up here. I don't know. Lean over here. Pray back there. I don't know what you do, where you want to go, but just pray with them. Feel free to do that during songs. We need to be doing more of that as a church. And so this is the song. And I'm going to pray that helps us to realize, God, 2018, we want more spiritual progress than ever. And so, God, I just pray before we sing that those who lifted up their hands would be so courageous to pray or to allow somebody to pray over them or with them. Take this song, Lord, as we worship and as we pray and glorify your great name. We want more than anything to keep moving forward to the destination that you have determined. And that is Christ-likeness. It's the image of Jesus in us. And so help us during the song to do just that, to turn to you in Jesus' mighty name. Let's all stand.